Mark chapter 5. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we, we do honor you. We bless you tonight. Thank you for your faithfulness, for your goodness. Thank you for your hand extended toward us now. We receive good and perfect gifts from above. We ask that you give us the word for the hour, the message for this time. May each person receive exactly what they need for today. Lord, go out of here blessed, fulfilled, thrilled, equipped, and ready to be used by you to reach another life. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, I want to talk to you tonight about the power of a testimony. All right? Power of testimony, okay? One thing that makes a person effective in reaching others is having an ongoing experiential relationship with God, all right? Those who just can point to something that happened to them 30 years ago, but they're, they're not current, are, are really not a very effective witness for the Lord, okay? But when a person is continually having uh, a relationship with God, not just a legal relationship, but practical, huh? I mean, just like when someone's married, you can be married from a legal standpoint. You got papers on file <laughs> that say married, but it's a whole nother thing to have a real ongoing uh, relationship that's healthy and strong and it's current, okay? There are some people that are married that hardly ever talk to each other. They have very little of a practical relationship. Likewise, there are some believers. There are some people, they are married to the Lord. They're, they've been saved, they've been born of Him, but they don't have an ongoing experience with Him. Okay, it's not a day-to-day -day fellowship, and, and they don't have things happening in their life that give them enthusiasm when they share with others, that give them an excitement that comes out of their eyes and comes out of their pores so that when they communicate with someone else, they can, say, they can really see that it's real, all right? There's nothing, nothing that substitutes for the real thing when you're talking about a, rela a relationship and walk with God. Many people have religion. They have codes they live by. They have certain disciplines in their life. And that's fine and good for what it is, but it's no substitute for a walk with God, okay? It's no substitute for having a prayer answered, <laughs> for having God's power manifest, and God speaking to people, leading them, and, and it's obviously God, not something that man just comes up with and then said, oh, the Lord did that. No, I mean, it's the, re it's the real thing. It's God moving in someone's life. And so God and His kingdom must be real to you today in order to correctly represent Him to others. You do know why some people are not Christians today? It's because of the ones who are. In other words, I could say it this way. Some are not Christians today because God has not been accurately represented. And we have carried certain titles and said, I'm a Christian. I'm not saying that's wrong, but we've carried certain titles but didn't have a reality of God in our lives. It wasn't the real thing. I don't mean, again, I'm not saying someone's not saved, but it's just not alive like it's supposed to be. And so whenever that person speaks to another person about the Lord or even simply acknowledges that they are a Christian, someone from the outside looks and what they see as a Christian may or may not be what they want. But if that person is not living a reality of the presence of God and God's Word being active in their lives, that person's not seeing a very clear picture. And so how can they accurately say, 
yes to the Lord or no to the Lord when they're looking at something so fuzzy. You know what I'm talking about. They can't really see who God is in truth. And I think it should be our desire to represent God accurately. So whenever someone asks us about the Lord or about how do you do it, I mean, how are things working for you, we can correctly show them a picture of God in truth, okay? You know, like we said, we were sharing recently uh, about people using the, the what would Jesus do slogan, and, uh, and that's fine and good as long as someone knows Jesus, because a lot of people will throw that out, but they don't know what Jesus would do in any given situation because they haven't read what he would do. And they don't have a personal ongoing walk and relationship with him. And so they can't even accurately answer that question. All right. But it's very important that we have this thing current in our lives. Now, uh, you remember in the Old Testament when God had brought Israel out of Egypt and they were on their way to Canaan's land. Right, the promised land, land that flows with milk and honey. And of course, they had a little detour, took a few years, decades, uh, because of some attitudes and some unbelief that existed in their hearts. They couldn't go in right away. But you remember one of the things that was supernatural through that whole period of time is that God fed them from heaven. Remember, He would send manna. From heaven, And it's real interesting how that worked is uh, God would uh, send manna from heaven. They'd have to go out and collect it every single day. In the morning, they'd go out and get their little manna wafers, right? And they'd go and collect it, and they could eat that for the day. But how many know what they couldn't do was save what they got today for tomorrow? If they tried to gather up a whole bunch and say, well, you know, I'm tired of going out here every day. I mean, every single day, I've got to go out here and get more. Why don't I just work overtime today? I'll get double, and tomorrow I'll sleep in. Tomorrow we'll take it easy, and we'll, and we'll be able to have that for tomorrow. But what happened is it would rot, okay? And it wouldn't be good the next day. God wanted them to go out every single day and get some fresh manna, okay? Likewise, that, that is a, a spiritual truth that we can see for today, that God wants us to go every day to get some manna. In other words, remember Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In other words, bread is to the, our spiritual life just like natural food is to our physical body. And we see the correlation from the Old Testament that someone who is always trying to live on yesterday's manna, it's really not going to work. God intends for you to come to Him every day. He intends for you to uh, hear from Him Every single day. We, you know, we take days off from work and we take vacations from our everyday life at times. And, uh, but we should never take a vacation from the Lord. I think it's a good idea if you go on vacation to take your Bible. Why? Because spiritually, that's the, real, that's the, the most important aspect of your life. And you need to stay current. Okay? In other words, you need to get some manna for that day. Lord, what do you want to talk to me about today? And keep that relationship with God always working, always alive, always flowing. You'll stay sensitive. But also, uh, whenever you speak about the Lord, it's going to come from a fresh perspective, a fresh heart. Not just, I'm pulling something out of my mental library and, oh, there was a scripture on that. And it's just all kind of, uh, you know, just mental uh, discussions and so forth with, with people. When something comes out of your heart, it's real to you. 
It's the real thing. I don't mean you're trying to put it on or work it up. I'm just going to work up an anointing here. No, it's just real to you. It will come across completely different than the person who just has an argument, who just has a theory. All right? Things need to be alive in me, then they'll come out as something living and something powerful. And there are things, when a person is experiencing God, there's no argument. There's no argument against that. They might argue the concept, but when someone sees that it's real in you, it changes the whole discussion, okay? And so, uh, we understand this, that you are no less saved by not having a fresh revelation today, but you are very much less excited, less enthusiastic, and less effective by not having something current where God has moved in your life, and it's not just 10 years ago, okay? I really believe, I mean, sometimes when God moves strong, and I think, wow, can we top this? <laughs> the answer is yes. The answer is yes, because there have been times when I've thought, man, that was, that was, we nailed that one. Man, God showed up, God moved, that was powerful. Then I start thinking, ooh, I don't know if I can do that again. Can we have that again? God will outdo that. God can do more. There's always more. There's always further. There's always increase that can come as we stay with Him. And so you're in Mark chapter 5, I believe. Mark chapter 5 and verse 18. Okay. Now, this is well, without reading the whole story here. Jesus, of course, he, he in this chapter, uh, delivered, ministered to this demoniac, guy who was demon-possessed, got him fixed up, okay? And when he got into the boat, this is after, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. I mean, sometimes you have to be able to say no when it's, pro when it's proper. He begged him. And Jesus was the nicest guy anybody knew. And the guy's begging him, let me go with you. And Jesus said, no. No. Sometimes no is the right answer. Doesn't mean you're mean. Doesn't mean you're not walking in love. Doesn't mean you don't like the guy. Just no. Well, why? No. Sometimes you don't have to explain your no's either. All right. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. What did Jesus tell him to do? He said, go and go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. Does the Lord want us to tell others what He has done for us? Absolutely. Too many times people have God moving in their life and blessing them. And they don't tell anybody. That is a perfect opportunity for others to be, to be, uh, to be aware of God moving in someone's life. I remember years ago uh, a friend gave this particular book and I didn't they gave this book to another person this was a book 
had a lot of healings and miracles and some testimonies of really cool things happening. And I didn't know this other person. They were just relating the story to me. They gave this other person the book, and this person was a, was a believer. They were a Christian. They weren't in a church like this or a church that necessarily preached all those things. Uh, and that person just really ate that book up, and they were like just blown away by it. And they came back to this other person, and they thought, where does all this stuff happen? They say, I've been a Christian. I've never seen anything like this happen. I've never heard of any, any, of, any of these ha- things happen. And, and it, to some people, it seems like that stuff, healings and stuff, is always in Africa. Or it's always on the other side of the world. Someone experienced, some missionary experienced it. And, uh, and they don't know that things like this are happening all around them. And I think that's tragic. All right? We need to be speaking up. Now, of course, two things necessary right here, too, is one, you have to experience God. I mean, what was he going to tell them if this didn't happen? Nothing. You have to have God move in your life, and then you have to tell it. That's an easy two-step formula right there. Write it down. Put it in the cookbook. Have God move in your life and tell somebody else about it what will they do they will marvel wow that's amazing now look at acts chapter 10 acts chapter 10 and verse well we'll begin reading here in verse 38 10 38 says how god anointed jesus of nazareth with the holy spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for god was with him and we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem whom they killed by hanging on a tree him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly not to all the people but to witnesses chosen before by God even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead understand this that God wants certain people to see certain things he wants eyewitnesses of some of the things that he does now it's interesting not to everybody in other words Jesus didn't appear in the sky after he was raised from the dead for all of the inhabitants of the land there to see that he was alive no but God did want some people to see him why because he still is a faith God he wants and even requires people to believe things that they don't see but God will move in people's lives so that they can have they can be an eyewitness of the manifestation of God and others can then hear about it not everyone is gonna see everything But God will move in people's lives and they will testify to others who will then believe and see a manifestation of God for themselves. Okay, these people, he said, they were chosen. God, the Lord Jesus appeared to him after. How many know that you and I are here today because they testified? They saw, they were eyewitnesses of the Lord's resurrection and here we are. 
Because how many know the vast majority of believers, of Christians, have never seen Jesus? Some have, you know, through visions and in, in dreams and so forth like that, the Lord appears to people at times. But the vast majority, we have never seen Jesus with our eyes or even in a spiritual vision kind of thing. We have accepted the testimony of someone else. And their testimony brought the reality of the new birth of eternal life into our lives. If they hadn't testified, if they hadn't borne witness of what they saw, we would not even know. Testimony is critical to the world being one. Verse 42, where do we stop? And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets, prophets witnessed that through his name whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. And so this is what they were supposed to say and testify of. And it's interesting in verse 40. For it says, while Peter was still speaking, see, what is he doing? He's bearing witness. He's testifying of what he had seen and what the Lord had told them to do. While he was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word. What is God looking for? I tell you what, the Lord likes to fall. The Spirit of God likes to fall, likes to come on people. But what does he need? He needs someone to testify. When someone will accurately and boldly testify of what the Lord has done in them and what the Lord has done for all of us, God moves with that. But if we're not ever selling what the Lord has done, what and let me say this two ways. It's what the Lord has done for all of mankind, and we've believed the testimony of others. Very important. We preach the gospel undiluted, unqualified, straight, pure, and simple. We, we, we testify of that. But then it goes beyond that to what the Lord has done in me. What the Lord has done. What do you mean what the Lord has done in me? Every one of us who are saved have an experience with God. And, and, and don't get me wrong. We can have ongoing more and more and more. But we all have an experience where we believed the testimony of others and it became a reality in us and we were changed. Now sometimes people, they feel like, man, if I didn't ever uh, just really royally mess up my life first, then I don't have a very good story to tell. You know what I'm talking about? If I didn't, uh, you know, hurt people and hurt myself and, and, and you know, spend some time in jail or, or uh, you know, do some pretty horrific drugs or something if I didn't do something really bad first then you know when I tell people about the what the Lord did in me uh, then it's not that really not not a very big deal and don't get me wrong there's some pretty cool testimonies out there <laughs> of people who did some pretty bad things and God radically changed their life and to look at them now it's pretty neat to look at but I want you to know that no whether someone was the worst person on earth morally and in every, every way or someone was a moral sinner on their way to hell. They have a testimony of the life-changing power of God. 
There are many people that are living in their own works and their own good deeds and they feel like they're righteous because they're a good person and they're just as lost as the person who, who has committed all sorts of crimes and, and, and did a lot of harm to people. Okay, And the reality of what we need to testify about is the fact that what, what Jesus did, but then it's got to go beyond that, what did Jesus do in you? What specifically can you, t- can you lay out and say, God did this for me? Amen. Okay. And so while he was speaking, again, the spirit fell on those who heard. Does God move through someone who's testifying? Oh, big time. Big time. It's one of his plans. What's your testimony? What has God done for you? When you speak out of your personal experience of what God has done for you, it will carry great weight. It will carry great weight. Okay. Acts 10. You're there. (laughs) All right, let's not go there then. Acts 20. Acts chapter 20 and verse 24. 20, 24. The apostle Paul here said, But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. What was the Apostle Paul called to do? He was called to testify. Called to te- do you need a special anointing, a special call to testify? You know, certainly we'd say, well, you need a call. You don't do what Paul, all the things that Paul did without a special call from God. You're not going to be an apostle without a call. And that's right. But what about testifying? All people, all believers should be testifiers, eyewitnesses, firsthand information of what God did in you. Okay? Now, I'm not an eyewitness of the resurrection. I wasn't there to physically see Jesus raised from the dead like some of these folks were. Okay? But I am an eyewitness of God moving. I'm an eyewitness to him changing my life, to giving me eternal life, forgiving my sins, filling me with the Holy Ghost, healing my body, giving me understanding and revelation, being there when I need him, being my help in time of need. Come on. I'm, I'm there to be an eyewitness, a, a firsthand testimony of God moving through me to touch other people. And I can tell those things, with an, uh, again, as an eyewitness. I'm a firsthand experiencer of God moving in, 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 my, in my life and in the lives of others through whom he's used me. Okay? Praise God. In Luke chapter, Luke chapter 7, there was a time when, when John the Baptist was beginning to question Jesus you remember John the Baptist had a revelation from God he came walking Jesus came walking up and John the Baptist who was Jesus cousin there naturally he had a revelation and said behold the Lamb of God has come to take away the sin of the world Right? He had a revelation from God of who Jesus was, but of course John was persecuted and he, he, he had been put in prison. And at one point, he came to the point where, you know, he started wondering, I guess. And, uh, and, and he, he sent his disciples over to Jesus and, and, said, and, and, and asked them to, to tell him whether he was the one or not, whether he was the Christ. In verse 22, 
Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. What did he, what, how did he want uh, them to help John? By testifying as to what they had seen and heard. And the same thing is, is, is true today, that we must be testifying and telling people what we see. Say, but we're supposed to walk by faith. We don't have to see anything. Well, listen, if you're already in, do you have to see anything to believe? No. No, that's faith. You believe the Word. But you're, you believe in the Word, and standing in faith on the Word is going to produce things you can see. And what are we supposed to do with that? Tell somebody. You've got to let it out. You've got to testify. Testify. You've got to let it come out your eyes. You've got to let it come in your words. Something's very valuable in a, in a Christian who's enthusiastic. It's contagious. Where's your enthusiasm level? When you think about your, your relationship with God, you think about how He's using you. I got to tell you, the most valuable people to me in the church are those who like it. Because we're trying to, you know, we're, we're out here to reach a city and beyond. And uh, when you got a bunch of people who like it, it's a lot easier. <laughs> Why? Because everywhere they go, they're a living witness, a living testimony of what God is doing in this house. Okay? And if, we, if we're not excited, well, what's the reason? Is it because we're smarter than everybody else who is? And we're, well, we're just, well, people don't see everything that I see. No, maybe, you know, Maybe that's just carnality. If we're not excited, maybe there's something in us that we're not, we're not doing right. Maybe there's something we're not tapping into. Maybe we're allowing ourselves to just kind of lazy boy it. Don't let yourself live a dull Christian life. Because I tell you what, if you're really tuned into the right frequency, man, you're getting some stuff. God is moving in you, and there's no way it can be a dull, boring life. But again, I can't testify effectively if there's not something happening in me. Come on, stir yourself up. Stir yourself up. Let yourself be charged. Say, I'm going through a battle. Good. Best time in the world to stir yourself up. I know it's the most difficult time, but it's the most important time. Come on, we've got to keep a smile on our face. Amen. Say, is there ever any time... Uh, you, when you don't really feel like praising God and and uh, and, and do it, yes, man, I, I can. There are times I go to praise the Lord, might be in a church service, and I don't feel a thing, man. And I believe in woo the anointing, shoo, believe in the power, woo, like it. And times when it's just like, where is it? I tell you, sometimes I'll plaster a smile on my face. You know, like the Joker. <laughs> it's a faith smile. You say, Lord, you are so good to me today. When you feel like going, 
Lord, you're so good to me today. <laughs> and you don't even feel like saying that, but you know, you know you should. Lord, you're good all the time. I rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. But literally take a step of faith. Say, Lord, I am glad in you today. Just you Try it, man. Put a smile on your face. Put it on. Lord, I'm glad in you today. You are the joy of my life. You are the strength of my day. You are my sustenance all day long. You are my help in time of need. Oh, I'm glad in you today. Oh, hallelujah. It's, it's called stirring it up. That's how you access the very life of God, the very power of God. And when that's moving through you, there you are, firsthand witness of God turning your life around. Yeah, people go waste a whole day sometimes being depressed. <laughs> waste a whole day with a frown. Stir it up. It'll be real in you. When it's real in you, you'll, accu- you'll, you'll accurately and uh, effectively testify to another person. And they'll see. It's not just about religion. Listen, parents, you have kids that you want to serve God, they've got to see that it's the real deal in you, okay? If you say, oh, I, oh you know, we're Christians and we love the Lord, and you look depressed over it, <laughs> you know, on the way to church there's a fight, you know, and, and the only time your Bible ever is open is at church, only time they ever hear you praying or praising God is only at church, and you know, there's some, there's some issues there. You've got to give them some leadership. got to give them something to follow. And I'm telling you, the only way to do it is got to be real in you. It's not just a put-on. It's, it's not just a discipline, okay? You have got to genuinely be excited about going to church. Genuinely. Because, so, well, I, you know, I put on a good front for my kids. They, they think I'm excited if you're not, they know it. Listen, when someone lives with you, you can't fake it very long. It's either the real thing in you or it's not, okay? And if I'm not, if, if my kids think I'm just faking it and putting it on or in my position, I'm just doing the job or something like that, man, I, I've got another thing coming if I think when they're uh, making their own call, making their own decisions as an adult that they're going to serve God. No, because I've shown, I've shown them too long that I'm not excited about it. It's not really worth it. It's got to be alive in me. If things aren't alive in you, it's time to change. I mean, I'd encourage you to start with repentance. Say, Lord, I've just been drudging through this thing, and I'm not, I'm not excited. Be honest. He knows your heart anyway. I'm not excited about you. Not excited about the kingdom. More excited about my favorite TV show than I am church, more excited about, you know, my job or something else or whatever it is, I'm more excited about that than I am you. Be honest and then say, Lord, I'm ready to change. I'm ready to make some adjustments. I'm ready to stir it up. <laughs> and then you start operating by faith. And you say, oh, I can't, get, can't wait to get to, get to church. Can't wait to read the Bible again. Can't wait, can't wait to praise God. Can't wait to share Jesus with another person and testify as to what the Lord has done. It'll only be a matter of time and this thing will be bubbling in you. I don't mean you just necessarily be a bubbly personality. I'm just saying it's real in you no matter what your personality is. Okay? It's the real thing. Amen. John First cha- John chapter 1. You know in the Old Testament uh, there was a 
a way that they dealt with the law and so forth as far as someone breaking the law. And you've heard this before. Uh, it's repeated in the, New, in the New Testament that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word would be established. By the mouth of two or three witnesses. What do we think about when someone doesn't know the Lord? When someone is not walking with Him, they, don't, they haven't received salvation, but they get two or three witnesses. Different kind of witness now. They get two or three people who have experienced God that testify to them instead of, you know, just a religious idea. But two or three people who have a living, exciting, dynamic, ongoing, active relationship with God where God moves in their life and they're talking to them. Man, that makes all the difference. Whether you're talking about someone who's never been born again or even, let's say, someone who's an unbeliever in, in divine healing. But they got two or three witnesses coming and saying, I got healed. The Lord healed me of this condition. The Lord healed my child of, uh, of this condition. The, and they got two or three people telling them. How I many know that's going to change the, what they're thinking? It's going to change the direction they're heading. It'll turn an unbeliever into a believer. How? Testimony. First John, everybody there? Chapter 1 and verse 3. Well, let's go to verse 1. Just makes more sense to start there. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. What are they testifying? What are they sharing with others? What they have seen and what they have heard and if you never see anything and you never hear anything you don't have anything to say and it's this is a a real good balance we need because uh, i am big time i can teach faith and talk about faith and like to do it do it for weeks on end faith 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 love faith teaching how we walk by faith and not by sight and that's powerful and we should always live that way but at the same time not in opposition, but right along with it, I believe we should see and we should feel. And someone might think that's a contradiction, walking by faith. And I'm not talking about walking by what we see, not talking about living by what we feel, being dominated by circumstances. But I'm telling you, when you walk by faith and not by sight, and you believe God's Word, you expect Him to move, you're going to see things. And you're going to feel things. There is going to be a manifestation of God in your life, when you have that, you have something to talk about. But here's another element to that. What you talk about increases. What you give attention to grows and gets bigger, whether it's a problem or whether it's an, a solution. When people have issues and problems and they continually magnify them and talk about them, they become problem-minded, problematic, problem-oriented. 
And that's all they have. That's all they see is problem, problem, problem. Those things get bigger. But when a person begins to focus and magnify answers and solutions and what God's Word says and what He has done, those things increase and increase and increase. And if someone will experience God a little bit and testify about it, whoop, it comes up. And continually, every time God says something to you, every time, you know, something jumps out of the page in you and you begin to share that with somebody else, every time you get an answer to prayer, God heals your body or does something, you know, provides a need for you, and you testify of that. You share that with somebody else. You don't keep it on the inside. You make His Word known. Make God's power known. You're setting yourself up for more manifestation of God in your life. And you're faithful with what's little. And you'll also be faithful with, what, with, with, with much. What do you mean little? I mean God's moving. It seems like he's moving a little bit. But you magnify that. You thank God for it. You give uh, adequate, adequate credit to God for moving in your life. And you, you be a testimony, a living witness of what he's done. Now you're going to have more. More of God. More manifestation. And what you see and hear, that's what you declare. That's what you share and testify about, uh, testify to others. Praise God. Now, let me just give you a couple references. Acts 4.20. For we cannot speak, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Acts chapter 4.20. Then later, in, in Paul said in Acts 22.15. For you will be his witness to all men. This is the Lord, the Lord told him this. He's recounting it. Of what you have seen and heard. We see and hear. But what do we do? And we testify. We're, we're, we're living witnesses. We're testifying. And testimonies don't just happen in church. Testimonies don't just happen in, 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 in a certain situation. Testimonies can happen across the table. They can happen in, in, in many, many, many different places. Okay? And you many, many know this. In fact, let's turn there. we got a few moments. Revelation chapter 12, Revelation chapter 12, the power of testimony, Revelation 12 and verse 11 says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. But it's very important. We'll oftentimes say, well, by the blood of Jesus, man, I have overcome. By his blood, we have overcome. Well, that's not the whole story. How many know his blood has been shed? The Lord Jesus has spilled his blood for all of mankind. And for every Christian, everyone who's received the Lord, they've received the cleansing flood of his blood. But something must be added to that for us to have overcoming victory in our lives. And that is we must testify about it. It's one thing for the blood to be made available. It's one thing for the provision of God. His purchase redemption to be made available for all of us. It's a whole other thing to acknowledge it with your mouth. It's a whole other thing to get what he has done in your mouth and let it out and testify about it. This scripture says that these people overcame by the blood and because they talked about it. They talked about what the Lord has done for them. They testified. When's the last time you told someone what the Lord has done for you? Say, I, I haven't, he hasn't really done anything for me lately. Start with what he has done for you when you got saved. We can all testify, and I think, I think we're going to be bringing it up for a long, long time. 
I think throughout eternity, we'll be repeating the testimony of Jesus and what He has done for us. And we should be ready at any given moment, at the drop of a hat, to testify to any person on the planet of what the Lord has done for us. Someone said, I want to argue about, about doctrine, about religion. Well, I'll discuss any question you have, but first of all, let me tell you what the Lord has done for me. Let me tell you how good God has been, how He set me free and changed my life, and I've set me on a course that I'm never getting off. Come on now. And, and, and if you've never thought about it, never thought, you know, maybe you've desired to win others to the Lord, but you've never really incorporated how, how the Lord uh, worked in your life and how you got saved, I'd encourage you to get, get, get busy figuring that one out. When I say figuring it out, work on yourself, how you would testify and how you would explain. Because I've got to tell you, I was born again as a child. I didn't kill anyone. I didn't do any drugs. I was a kid. Probably selfish. They say I beat up my sister, but I don't believe it. <laughs> but overall, you know, I was a, my grandmother shared with me about receiving Jesus in my heart. And I laid on my bed and got saved, got born again. And I remember I was in Panama years ago, took a group down there doing mission stuff. And I got to preach there on a street. It was kind of wild, but there were just people around. I think I had a, must have had a microphone. They must have had a, must have had a portable sound system. There were people in, you know, hanging out balconies and stuff and, and, uh, and just a lot of people around. And I was, you know, it wasn't a church. I wasn't going to do a teaching. Open your Bibles. Nobody had Bibles. <laughs> just kind of outdoor. Just preaching to all these people who were hanging around. And they started paying attention. And I remember, I started telling them about how I got saved. And I, you know, like I said, I don't have some big long story. I started telling them, and the Spirit of God came on me so strong. I just remember thinking, wow, that's, this is good. <laughs> this is powerful. Kid got saved on bed with grandmother. <laughs> and I'm telling you, God moved all over that thing. I just started, it started coming out of me. Just, you know, I started talking about how the Bible was no longer just a book that I, you know, gave mental credence to, but it became alive to me. God's Word was God speaking to me, and, and all this stuff just started coming out of my mouth, and, and it was God all over the place. What, what was He doing? He was using what was my testimony, which wasn't, you know, in the, in the comparison to some, it wasn't. I didn't think it was that great, but I tell you what, it was that great. <laughs> Where would I be today? <laughs> you know, maybe I would have been doing all those things. I was spared from doing a bunch of stuff. Okay? But I know this, whatever yours is, whether you got saved as a young person or as an old person, use whatever, wherever God took you, use that as a part of your testimony. Amen. To win other people, to affect other people in their lives for the Lord. Praise God. Revelation chapter 19, we'll finish here. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. 
got to speak up. Speak up and declare what the Lord has done for you. How many know, for faith folk now, we testify about what the Lord has done for us before it's manifest. What has the Lord done for you? He healed my leg. <laughs> oh, he's so good to me. He healed me and made me whole. Doesn't look like you're healed. No, but I am. I've read it in the Word. <laughs> he healed me by his stripes. Praise God. And it's only a matter of time. Amen. Revelation 19.10 says, And I fell at his feet to worship him. John speaking to an angel here. But he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Why does God move with a testimony? Well, when we, let, me, let me back up. What's a good testimony? I tell you what, it is a testimony that magnifies Jesus. Whether it's of a healing or of an answered prayer or, or God doing something in your life. Of course, our salvation, baptizing us in the Holy Spirit. It is a testimony that will magnify Jesus. It's not a testimony that wallows around in the problem for 45 minutes and gives a two-minute, and Jesus saved me. <laughs> and Jesus saved me. A good testimony will point to Jesus, will magnify Him, will not, won't magnify yourself and your ability to, to make the right decision. No, it's just, man, I called on Him and He answered me. It gives all the credit and all the glory and all the honor to Him. And what does it say here? It says the testimony of Jesus now is the spirit of prophecy. And that kind of shows us what can happen when someone really begins to testify of what God has done. Is that the spirit of God will get involved there and there'll be inspiration. What I shared with you when I was on that street in Panama, I started testifying about what Jesus had done for me. And it was all of a sudden, a spirit of prophecy was there. It started flowing out of me, just rolling out of me like, wow, this is, that's why I said, I thought, wow, this is good. It was, it was powerful because it was God coming through me. And God will speak through you. He'll test it. He'll, he'll anoint you. There'll be a spirit of prophecy on you at times when you begin to talk about what the Lord has done. Amen. Just like when people, just the opposite's true. When people get around a campfire in the woods on a summer evening and the fire's crackling and they start telling scary stories. They start telling ghost stories and all these, did you hear this one? And they get real quiet and they get dramatic and before you know it, people have got goosebumps all over them and someone will make some noise in the trees oh, and everyone will jump. And, they, and what, what are, what's happening? They're talking about things and that spirit's beginning to manifest. Well, what's it called? It's called the spirit of fear. Okay, beginning to manifest there. And likewise, just like it happens in the negative side, when people, I've had this happen numerous times, aside from church, you know, just talking, talk with people on the phone, start talking about what God's doing, and whoo, all of a sudden, man, it's, wow, God's here, wow, the presence of God is here, just testifying of what the good things that the Lord has been doing in us and through us, and, and all of a sudden, God's manifesting, people sit around talking, uh, you know, talking late at night sometimes, talking around a table, just telling, oh, the Lord did this, and I was reading this, and, and God showed me this, and I prayed, and He moved here, and before you know it, man, everyone's just jazzed. Everyone's alive. It's like, whoo, man, God's here. This is great, and glory to God. And we used, I used to do this years ago with, back when I was in Bible school. I, there was one particular friend of mine, and uh, uh, 
uh, we, we'd actually, you know, we weren't recording or recording or anything, praise God, but, uh, but we'd drive down the street sometimes singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs from Ephesians 5. We'd go back and forth, and all of a sudden things would start rhyming. Things, things that start flowing, and we're just praising God and singing truths, and we go back and forth, and neither of us sounded real good, but it didn't matter. Uh, we didn't care. And we, we, we start singing. What would happen as we're testifying of God's Word and what He's done? The spirit of prophecy would start to come. It was, we, we'd start prophesying there about the goodness of God. And it's those experiences. I mean, I tell you what, when you have experiences with God, it makes all the difference in the world. Let's, let, let's not let our, our Christianity just be a religion. Just be a creed that we hold to. Just be a, a form of, uh, of life that we have. Well, some people choose this way of life. I've chosen this. Come on now. Let's, let's have the, the reality of God moving in our lives. And then out of that, come on, out of that, share the gospel with someone. You'd be so much more effective, so much more powerful. Out of that, invite someone to come, you know, to come to church with you. And it's coming out of you. It's like, wow, they really believe this. And when you really believe it, you'll be effective. You know, it's not a put on. Amen. Father, thank you today for your presence. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your life in us. We desire to represent you well. We desire that all people, when they see us and when they hear from us and when they, uh, when they observe our lifestyle and our attitude and our walk of faith, that they see an accurate picture of you. Lord, help us to represent you well. Lord, we do invite you to move in our lives. We do walk by faith and not by sight. We do believe your word in spite of what we may see or feel at the moment. We thank you that as we walk with you and as we talk with you, that you respond to us. You are not only there you not only exist, but you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. And so, Lord, we, we expect your goodness to be manifest in our lives, for rewards to come from above. And out of this, it's a launching pad for us to testify to others about your goodness and about your power and about your love. So lead us, I pray. Lead us today. Help us to identify clearly your leadings and direction that we may be a tool in your hand, that we may be your mouthpiece in this earth in these last days to testify to all of your goodness and of your grace, the gospel of the grace of God. Lord, we open ourselves up tonight as vessels that you can use and you can flow through. And thank you for helping us. We believe, you're, we believe you're leading us, ordering our steps, making our paths straight. And Lord, we expect to see many people who are touched and who are changed by what you're doing in us. For this, we give you thanks. We give you praise.